What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Back with you, breaking down another golf tournament this week. And this tournament is proof that as long as we have a full field golf event, we will be bringing you a show. Because if there was a week where we could just pack it in and say, you're on your own. Uh, just, uh, you know, play whoever you want. This tournament stinks. We could just pack it in this week and say, we're not going to do anything, but we're back. We're here. We're bringing you the show that uh, we do each and every week for these, uh, full field golf tournaments and uh, good or bad. We will break it down for you here on this Tuesday evening or whenever you might be happening to watch it on replay before Thursday morning lock. I am Justin Van Zuden, AKA STL Cardinals 84. I've got Mr. Notorious Derek Farnsworth beside me. Uh, Noto, how was your week last week? Yeah, what's going on? So would you be more excited for this event or the hero world challenge uh, that has like 16 golfers, but a lot of good names. I think I still got to put this one up ahead of it from a DFS perspective. Yeah, um, don't get to see Tiger going around in a golf cart though. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's true. I know that's the, probably the that's probably the needle mover for you. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give me that all day. But yeah, uh, not the best week for me. Uh, you know, a lot of my plays ended up hitting. I just uh, ended up swapping a couple out, and you know, Rory was extremely popular. Got the job done. You know, we talked about him as being head and shoulders the best play, and he certainly was. Uh, good course for him, and that he can just hit a bunch of drivers and. We certainly saw that on display last week. Yeah, kudos to Rory, who is surely loving life on the PGA Tour these days, now that a lot of the <coughs> excuse me, primary competition has uh, gone to the, the Live Tour, and he has just been rolling uh, since then. So uh, McElroy got the win there. Kirk Kitayama, K.H. Lee, uh, finished uh, next in line. And then we had Tommy Fleetwood, who had a good Sunday round. And John Rahm finished three strokes back. Uh, Aaron Wise, who we talked about last week on the show, had a good week. Sam Burns, we talked about, had a good week. Lee Hodges, I think I threw out there as a punt play, had a good week. Another pretty decent performance by Tom Kim. And then Taylor Montgomery with a 62 on Sunday to climb up into the top 15 himself. Fitzpatrick, Hatton, Cam Davis rounding out that top 15. And those are pretty much all guys we mentioned on the show last week. So you said it. We hit on a lot of guys. It's just a matter of getting the right combination there uh, of six of them together because a lot of the popular golfers did finish near the top. Yeah, for sure. Um, and for whatever reason, I just haven't been able to have much success in these no cut events. Um, I always, I mean, Tommy Fleetwood, man, he was one of my favorite plays at the uh, Zozo the week before, and then uh, comes out and shoots 66, 66, 65 to close out uh, the CJ cup. So that was a little frustrating, but good to see him playing well. On U.S. soil, although this was more of a links course, so I guess I, I probably should have seen that coming. Uh, Jason Day, another good finish. We kind of joked about playing him last week, um, but he he ended up playing well. You know, Fitzpatrick, another good finish. And, yeah, Tom Kim just keeps rolling. The train doesn't stop. That's right. And we also spent uh, an inordinate amount of time last week trying to figure out what the stroke discrepancy would be between <laughs> first place and last place. So I, I had to make sure I checked this out. Um, and because Noto had originally mentioned 40 and I kind of laughed it off. And then we saw what some of the scores were the previous time they, they played at Congaree and then thought, you know what? Somebody might go out and shoot 24 or 25 over par. Well, last place was plus 19 and Rory was minus 17. So 36 stroke difference, uh, between first and last. So you weren't too far off with that 40 guess there. 
Yeah, I mean, if uh, Sang Hun Shin could have just given me a seventy-seven on the last day, we would have we would have got the job done. Or <laughs> would have nailed it. Would have hit. Wouldn't have bogeyed his last. It would have helped a little bit too. But yeah, you set the over under at what was it for the the worst place finish? I think we ended up on like twenty-four and a half, and then it ended up at nineteen. So that right. twenty-four and a half would have got us to forty, um, but uh, we we didn't get there. It was a sweat, uh, but. Yeah, 36 stroke difference and plus 19 for the worst score. But that's a fun course. Now, and we've got time tonight because, I mean, this Bermuda Championship, this field is horrendous. Um, guys that are at the top of the leaderboard, we're used to seeing them at the top of the pricing tiers. We're used to seeing them in like the 7Ks. There's maybe like 30 guys that are viable this week. It's just, it's ugly. But I have, I have a rant. And I mentioned last week that I love that course. I wish they played on, on the PJ tour every year. And it was cool that it got a stop, you know, this year for the CJ cup. This is, that was clearly the most talented field of golfers that we will see during the fall swing at any point. And yet the, the, the premium coverage now has moved over to ESPN plus and ESPN plus is nowhere to be found for this tournament or the previous tournament or this week's tournament. They're just vanishing for five or six weeks before they come back for the final two events of the fall swing. So your coverage of this event, there was no feature groups. There was nothing at all in the morning. There was no video on PGA tour site, nothing. The, the, the coverage every day was three hours of golf channel coverage and that's it. I mean, they're playing nine hours of golf a day. You got Rory McIlroy in the field. You got John Rahm in the field. You got Fleetwood in the field. All these guys that are like the cream of what's left of the PGA Tour and your coverage is three hours a day. I, I don't get it. That that just seems inexcusable for the best tournament really that you're going to have from September through November. Yeah, great point. I think we got what, three hours of coverage a day? Yeah, three hours a day. And That's if you crazy. go to the PGA Tour Twitter account, I mean, no highlights of shots. They should just be cranking those out and just nonstop throughout the course of every single round. It's just, uh, it's weird. There's all these golden opportunities that they just, they can't seem to not get out of their own way. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great point by you. Just the fact that we have all these great golfers and uh, we, we can't even watch them even if we want to pay for it. Right, yeah. And some of the, you know, so uh, previously I had the PGA Tour Live and I also had a subscription to ESPN+. Plus. So when ESPN Plus took over the reins of the PGA Tour, that was great. One less subscription I, I had. And you know, the coverage during the summer was pretty solid. The feature groups usually had a couple feature groups at a time and the, you know, primary feed and, you know, it's still the, not the greatest, but at least for, with those feature groups, you know, you see every golf shot and it's not like the, the general TV coverage, but to not have that at all for what is your marquee event really of the, of the fall swing uh, it, it was just so bizarre. And the, you know, I really liked that course and yeah, fine. You can watch the final three hours uh, or whatever of every day, but it, it's just, uh, it, it was a shocking thing to, to see that there was just no coverage. And like you mentioned, nothing on the social media and uh, I don't know, they just got to figure out a, in this day and age of right with the masters, you can watch every shot within embedded within their app. Uh, the PGA Tour just needs to step it up and, and improve that because, to be fair, one of, that's their technology and, and all that stuff is one of the big, and the TV coverage is one of the big edges they have on the Live Tour right now because the Live Tour has no TV deal and their, you know, their website is, looked like it was 
schlocked together by me on GeoCities when I was 12 years old. You know, you just, they're still developing that stuff. So if the PGA Tour can't leverage the years of advantages they've had in that, it's it's just a big loss. And I, I don't know, I was pretty disappointed in that last week. So that's my rant. Yeah, I like the STL one, PJ Tour zero, Live Tour zero as well. Um, I don't think it, I don't think they care about me uh, my, or my opinion, obviously. But uh, that's all right. It's okay. Also, I'll wish like, can't they invest a little more money in their shot uh, shot tracker stuff? Like they carried around these big trucks, so they can't fly it anywhere. So any of these alternate right. anything out of the fields, country is a no go. It's just, I mean, that's like why they're getting so many random views on a Thursday morning. Um, and they haven't been able to figure it out. Um, it's, it's just weird because you've got on on the sports betting sites like DraftKings and you know FanDuel and and basically all of them now, all the books that are live, you can bet like individual round matchups while they're happening. Like you know the Group A is on the ninth hole and the odds are adjusting live for all. You know it, it's just the fact that you can't. Last week I couldn't watch it on TV, and now this week you're probably not. You're not gonna be able to watch it on TV, and you're not gonna have shot trackers. So uh, it just makes that you know, if you're trying to build a rapport with the gaming community, and you know DraftKings has a sponsorship with the PGA Tour, it's just uh, being able to get that real time data is pretty much inexcusable at this point to to not have it. Let alone the TV coverage, just the just the online data. It's yeah, that's another kind of strike the family feud board is struck out at this point we need more stl rants this is by far the most active the chat has ever been in the intro so uh, i, love well, I hope they agree with me if anybody's <laughs> defending the pga tour i'm gonna go and block them so i gotta go you know i gotta double check and make sure that nobody's uh, uh nobody's gonna be agreeing with the pga tour or else we got a mole in the chat uh for the tour anyway i digress uh i feel better I'm glad I got that off my chest. I wasn't happy about it last week, but we move on. Uh, and we've got uh, an ugly event, as I mentioned, this week. But uh, other takeaways from last week's event for you. Obviously, great to see Rory get it done. A lot of other big names in the top 15. Anything else that maybe caught your eye before we move it along? Not really. Fun course. I, I do hope they go back there at some point. But it was weird seeing there weren't a lot of fans in attendance. And that was kind of the, that's kind of the big knock on live is nobody's watching. And uh, it was kind of weird seeing not that many fans out there. I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, far away from everything or it's hard to get people back into all the holes. I'm not sure what the issue yeah, is. <clears throat> you know, whether it's the time of year, right, it's uh, in the southeast and, you know, in football season, everyone's over you know drooling over sec football and so that takes priority on saturdays and probably fridays as well leading up to it uh you know maybe if they if they move that back to a different time of year whatever event they plan to use that course on um you know i it it deserves to be a a full-fledged pga tour stop i think i mean as much as i love the john deere classic because it's only you know a half an hour from me and i can go there and watch uh, that course from for PGA Tour pros is just it's it's boring for those guys and it's you know it's the same twenty five under every time the Congaree is just so much more suited to a PGA Tour style event that I hope it gets a full time stop of course I hope it doesn't take away my JDC but uh, there's just a lot of, just a lot of those courses out there that I, I think it would be better served to to have a full-time stop. So I agree. Were you, were you sad that uh, the JDC didn't get elevated status? I kind of hope that they rotate that. Like if they gave the JDC, you know, 
an elevated status once every four years, then you're going to get some of the big names, you know, sure. show up there. And I think that's going to be good for all events, but it doesn't yeah, sound it'd like be good. It, yeah. It'd certainly be good for, you know, an event like that one where they haven't had big names for, you know, or when they do, it's when they're first up and coming uh, like Spieth and then they, you know, they don't come back. So uh, it would be nice to see that. Yeah. Then at least you get the draw maybe every now and again uh, for some of those players that otherwise just skip over that event every year. Like they're doing this week. That was a perfect segue. They're skipping this week uh, because they don't want to go to Bermuda. Uh, last year, infamously, they ran out of alternates at this event. The field ended up not being completely full last last year. Now, I think that might have been because of like a vaccine yeah. mandate, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, and that's why they had so much trouble filling part of the reason. Uh, but, I mean, it's still a pretty weak field this year. Uh, 132, I believe, in the field. Uh, at Port Royal Golf Course, uh, which is a very short venue. We've seen a lot of short hitters here uh, have success and uh, three three years of data, I believe we have. And uh, this will be the fourth edition of the tournament. So what do you have on the course this week? Yeah, we're hearing issues already. A couple guys haven't been able to get their clubs. Uh, so yeah, just uh, definitely and keep track. We're going to have an airline that. rant in here if we go on too long. Just keep track of uh, the, the PGA Tour comms um, Twitter account to make sure that none of your guys end up withdrawn late. But uh, the story of the week for me is going to be the weather. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get 72 holes in. I don't know if they're going to be able to get hardly any holes in um, from Thursday all the way till next Friday. Uh, thunderstorms every single day. Uh, so I'm a little bit worried about it. Uh, looks like it's going to rain a ton. It's going to be windy. So if they do play, um, it's going to be difficult. Uh, and you're going to probably see a lot of in-round withdrawals as well. If you get off to a bad start, they're probably just going to head out of there. But um, the course itself, extremely short, 6,800 yards for a par 71. That is, uh, you know, just mini golf uh, compared to some of the other PGA Tour stops. And especially when you consider the fact that um, there's three par fives and three of the par threes are over 210 yards. So a lot of the length is hidden in those uh, par threes. So this is really going to play you know, extremely short, which brings me to my next point. Distance doesn't matter this week. Brian Gay, probably the shortest hitter on the PGA Tour one year. Brendan Todd one year. So you don't need to worry about distance. You probably don't need to worry about off the tee metrics all that much. I mean, you could maybe look at accuracy, but the longer hitters are going to be clubbing down on a lot of the holes. So that's going to be a little bit misleading when it comes to hitting fairways this week. Uh I looked at the the top 10 finishers the last couple of years. They were good in greens regulation, good scramblers, good uh, birdie makers, good putters. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at this week. Basically everything except off the tee. Yeah, definitely agree with those thoughts. The distance uh, certainly not needed here at all. Uh, keep the ball in play. Give yourself some birdie looks. And this is a course that really the main defense is the wind. Um, we saw the first year it was played here. There wasn't a whole lot of wind and the winning score was, you know, well over 20 under and, and just, uh, around 15 under the last two years. You, excuse me. You mentioned the risk of, uh, thunderstorms, you know, pretty much every day. I don't know if that's like a thing down there this time of year. If it's, you know, if it just generally rains every day, if it's like the Florida in the summer thing, it seems abnormal to have that chance of rain every single day. Uh, for like 10 days but uh, you know maybe it'll, it'll, it'll certainly be on and off golf and yeah that would worry me too about some potential withdrawals uh, if somebody decides hey I don't want to travel just for that but I would, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on the forecast it would seem very shocking if they got all four rounds in without any type of delay 
And the wind as of now is kind of scheduled to increase as the tournament goes along uh, by the day. So uh, if it is windy, uh, that will make the course play a little bit more difficult, but the rain could keep things soft as well. So another course that's probably going to yield some birdie looks, uh, but can be tough if the winds pick up. And you might want to consider stacking, you know, tee time waves uh, just in the event, you know, even no matter what the forecast says, because we don't know when there's going to be delays and when there's not. But uh, we'll make sure to uh, to monitor uh, Kevin Ross forecast this week and see maybe what he thinks, but uh, could end up being an advantage and maybe one that's a little bit unpredictable uh, depending on when the guys are able to play and how many holes they're able to play. Yeah. After last year's players championship uh, where it looked like there was a clear advantage for one edge and it ended up flipping because of the delays. Yeah, completely. Uh, I, I love the idea of just stacking both sides. Anytime there's really big wind and, and rain in the forecast. All right. Uh, I guess I've I, I, I've stalled long enough. Let's go. Let's break it down. Um, holy smokes. Almost all these guys at the top are usually punt plays that we're like maybe considering. And here we are. No offense to Dietrich and McCarthy and Seamus Power, our good buddy. He's back over 10K again, but it's not because he's been winning every tournament or finishing in the top 10 every tournament, just because he's all that's left. Aaron Rye, Mark Hubbard. I, I remember Justin Lower being 6,400 a few weeks ago, and these are your top guys in the field. Like, if there wasn't ever a week to consider simply fading the chalk because we really don't know what's going to happen and some of these guys are going to completely bust, and there's not a whole lot of difference between the 10K guys and the 8K guys. Like, this is the week in your GPP builds to be not afraid to, to go off the reservation a little bit. It has to be. Yeah, exactly. And usually in these weak fields, we say, oh, there's not a big difference between the 6Ks and the 7Ks, so you might as well just go stars and scrubs. But the stars aren't stars. And the scrubs, I mean, I haven't even heard of half the guys in the 6K range. Uh, I do think there's a big drop in talent, you know, after we get under 7,000 on DraftKings. So for me, I'm not going to be starting lineups in the 10Ks. I, I certainly like a few of them up here, but – I do like the balanced approach a little bit more. And uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, my model spits out ratings each and every week. The highest rating this week is 84.6. That's the lowest I can ever remember it being in an event. So it just goes to show that there's not a lot separating uh, the middle of the pack from the top. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dietrich is probably the most talented golfer in the field. We don't see him on the PGA Tour a whole lot. Hasn't been great in America, but this isn't in America. So maybe that's a, a feather in his cap. McCarthy's been really good at this place. Moronk's been good overseas, but, uh, you know, he doesn't play on the PGA Tour much. Then you have, like, Seamus Powers, of course, history guy that hasn't been hitting his irons well. Aaron Rye. I heard an interesting, uh, you know, argument for Aaron Rye. So he wears the two gloves, so that's going to be good in the rain. And then he also has uh, iron covers, uh, which nobody uses on, on the PGA Tour. So, nice. so he's going to keep those He's uh, going to be nice dry. and dry. Yeah, and two gloves. He's gonna be uh, he's gonna be ready to go for this uh, this rain. Um, I do like Hubbard. He's probably my favorite of the bunch. But again, I don't think you need to make a stand on anybody up here. Did you ever think I, you would say I like Hubbard at ten k? I mean, I, he's the only guy of this range that I've actually been playing a lot of lately. Uh, he's been a good <laughs> short game guy, and you know his irons have been good. So I actually don't mind him. But yeah, you're right. Not a ten k doesn't seem like. Somebody's got to somebody's got to be there. So it is all relative in this field, uh, and uh, he is very safe at that salary. 
uh, definitely an opportunity for somebody to sneak up and, and grab a win this week, and it'll be get you into know, the we, Masters. What's that? The winner gets in the Masters. Yeah, I mean, it, crazy. You know, we talk about how weak of a field this this is, but can you imagine the pressure and the you know the 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 stress for the, some of these guys if there's like four guys in contention that none of them are currently in the Masters, and you know, the, just the difference it can make for the careers of some of these guys. Uh, it'll be riveting for the two hours that you're able to watch it uh, on on Sunday. If there's you know if there's a mix, uh, a bunch of different guys in the mix that uh, that have a lot at stake. So from that angle, it is pretty cool. Even though the you know the weak field it gets tough uh, for us to discuss. So Dietrich's the one guy we'll probably have a lot of uh, in GPP builds. I just think in terms of his talent level, uh, he's the best in this field. He's been playing well worldwide and he's had strong finishes in fields that are much, much more difficult uh, than, than what he's facing this week. Uh, he's making an effort to play on the PGA Tour more. I won't have a whole lot of probably the other guys above 10K, uh, but I do like him uh, a good bit. So otherwise, I agree with Noda's approach. I think going into that 9K range to start out helps balance out that build a little bit. And really, there's not a lot of drop-off. You know, Nick Hardy's been playing well. Um, uh, SH Kim has been had some really good finishes. You've got Knox, who's like a short course specialist in here. So uh, who are some of the guys you're looking at in the nine case? Yeah. SH Kim, uh, he's been great other than last week, but uh, I mean, that was a huge step up in, uh, you know, field strength for him, but if you look at anyone in this field over since the start of 2021, he's got the highest cut rate. He's got the highest top 36% finish rate. Uh, now, granted, a lot of those were on the, the corn Ferry tour, but it's not like the, you know, the rest of the field has been playing in, a bunch of good fields. So I do like SH Kim quite a bit. Uh, I like Alex Smalley. We seem to play him every single week. He's one of the better ball strikers in the field. He's been grinding out some good finishes and much stronger fields. So yeah, give me a, a lot of Alex Smalley. He was also T12 here last year. And then I like uh, Jaeger at 9,300. So his biggest weakness is off the tee. He's not very good, uh, but he's very good with his irons. He's gained over four strokes in five of his last 12 events. So he can get red out on approach. Very good around the greens. Very good Bermuda putter. So those would be the three I'd look to. Um, it does look like Justin Lower is going to be the chalk here. What are your thoughts on him? I, he doesn't rate out that well for me. Yeah, that surprises me that his ownership has jumped that much. Um, you know, it, he's been a guy that's been in the 6Ks for most of the fall. Um, and I, I guess it's the, you know, hey, he's three for three with a couple top 20s. Uh, in the fall swing, and that's enough in this field to to get people interested. Certainly a talented guy. He closed out the a couple of events he played. Uh, he played the Rocket Mortgage and the Wyndham and finished top 40 in both of those. So, yeah, the form is good. I, I think that's the reason. But I yeah, don't know. I, I don't have a strong take on it either way. I agree with Greg in the chat. Jaeger gets his first win. All right, uh, I, I, like nothing's crazy in this field. And you know me, I'm a big Knox guy. And if there was ever a course that was built for Russell Knox, this is it. And I think he's top 18 each of the three years here. Um, you no, know, no surprise. And his form is a little bit iffy. Uh, and his projection, in, in terms of our Roto Grinders model, is is not great. Um, and Noto's numbers on him aren't good either. But the course is just a Russell Knox course. That's why his odds are so much better than what you'd expect based on his form. That's why he's 9,200. 
and I suppose that's why he's getting a little bit of ownership as well. But I can't ignore Knox at 9,200. I think Robbie Shelton at 9,100 is interesting in tournaments as well. Another guy that's had a solid start to the fall swing. Um, if you're looking to get away from from lower being a little bit more popular, uh, I don't mind going to, to somebody like Shelton in there. But we're not looking at really overwhelming chalk on anybody here. And I think if you start your lineups out with a couple of these guys, uh, it might make it easy to, to round up, easier to round out that lineup at the bottom uh, compared to the 10K guys at the top. So any other thoughts on the 9K range for you? Yeah, I like the Sheldon call quite a bit. He's been in some pretty good form, and he's one of those guys that, you know, he had his PGA Tour card two seasons ago, lost it, had to go back to the Corn Ferry Tour, won twice during the summer. So if you're looking for a guy that could potentially win, um, at least that has a couple of wins recently, um, I do like Sheldon quite a bit. Knox, I agree with you. just seems like a Knox course. There's like five courses a year where you circle it and say this is a Knox course, and this is one of them, uh, kind of like Kevin Kisner. In that respect, uh, it's good on Bermuda, short course, and in the wind. So, yeah, I like Russell Knox a little bit. Just looking at ownership. SH came at 5%. That's uh, awfully enticing. Yeah, I think he'll end up being a little higher. But, yeah, if he's going to stay there, I certainly like him for sure as a tournament upside play. Uh, absolutely, even at that salary. So, all right, let's move into the 8Ks. Again, we've got basically all of these guys, every single one. Ekro, Wu, Benion, Will Gordon, Adam Shank, Nick Taylor, Adam Long, like everybody between 8 and 12, 13% ownership. So not a whole lot to worry about in terms of chalk uh, in this range. It's who do you want to trust? Like Benion, will he bring the putter? Will Gordon, you know, can he avoid making an 8 somewhere along the line? Uh, Adam Shank has been a lot more hit or miss lately. Just... Not a lot of sure things in here and not a whole lot of ownership to talk about uh, in terms of, you know, we need to avoid X player because he's super chalky. So what are your thoughts in the 8Ks? Yeah, it's starting to get ugly. I think the course would set up well for Adam Long, you know, one of the shorter hitters, really good putter, especially on Bermuda. Uh, he hasn't played here before, so I do think that's going to help the ownership a little bit. Uh, Nick Gordon, or, or sorry, um uh, Will Gordon, Gordon. sorry. Uh, Nick Gordon uh, from the Twins, right? Uh, anyway. Strong sport. Yeah, Twins yeah, are Will, out. Will Gordon, uh, he's been playing well, uh, and he was really good on the Corn Ferry Tour, but I see him as more of a bomber. Um, you know, He's one of those guys that gains almost all of his strokes off the tee, so that worries me. Ekro, I think he's talented, but his short game has been nothing short of terrible the last couple months. He just continuously loses around the green, and with the wind and the rain and all that, that worries me. Uh, so yeah, I, I like Brandon Wu in tournaments. I like Callum Taron a little bit. It does look like he's going to be popular, but I don't know. There's not a lot to love. Do you have any stronger takes than I? No, not really in that range. Like I like Taron is always my guy and I played him a lot during the summer when he was a lot cheaper and relatively speaking, doesn't feel overpriced compared to some of these other guys, but he is probably going to be the most popular guy in the eight K's, but I don't mind it. I mean, it's not like he's going to be 30%. So, uh, guess- yeah. Sorry. I guess we should be interested in Adam Shank. I mean, he lives for these events, and he's coming off of two top 20s in a row. Yeah, he tends to be pretty streaky, too. So I'd probably put him uh, up there in my list. I don't mind Gordon for upside in GPPs, but, yeah, that's about it. Taron is the one guy I feel pretty good about in this range. Um, 
and everybody else, you know, I think you can make a case against them. Obviously, you got to keep some guys in your player pool, but yeah, it's probably Taron, Gordon, and Shank for me, and that's probably about it. And you can yeah. live in the seven Ks uh, for your value spots. Like you start in the nines, finish in the sevens. Uh, I really think there's golfers in here that are really interchangeable with some of the golfers in the 8K range. Uh, my couple of favorites, one of them will be Ryan Armour at 7,400. Again, another guy who lives for these shorter courses. He's made the cut all three times at this event. Uh, did have a top 20 a couple weeks ago. Uh, missed another cut in his last start, but uh, I like uh, I like him at 7,400. I also like uh, Kramer Hickok at 7K. Exactly. He's had a pretty good history here as well. But you can mix and match. I mean, guys that we've got some ownership on in here, Sam Ryder, Chesson Hadley, uh, my old friend Doug Gim, Harry Hall getting some love. And it uh, looks like you have a tag up on Ben Taylor. So talk about some of the guys you like in the 7Ks. Yeah, so Ben Taylor played here twice. He's uh, made the cut both times. He's the best putter in this field on Bermuda. Uh, so I think that's interesting. And uh, he's been playing well, just pretty consistent at 7,400. I like that. Uh, ben Griffin rates out as the 14th best play overall in my model. Uh, I don't know what to do with that information. It's, it's largely due to a small sample because his irons have been really good um, in the swing season. So that's probably why. But he also has a really good short game, at least from what we've seen so far. So I like Ben Griffin a little bit. And then... Let me ask you something. So when we expect like really windy, bad conditions, are you more likely to target the ball strikers that are going to be able to work the ball in the wind and hit more greens? Or do you just focus more on scrambling? I think scrambling is important because everybody's going to miss greens. Um, You can make a case for both, but scrambling would get a bump for me. Yeah, that's kind of what I did too. But if you want to play the ball striker narrative, somebody that might hit more greens than anybody else is Smotherman. I mean, he's been 7,500 in much tougher fields in the swing season. So if you do want to play the ball striking narrative, I don't I don't hate him. Yeah, and with there not being much in here, um, I, I don't mind that either. Like Sam Ryder, I think, is a risk-reward kind of play. I don't know if I love him in the bad weather, but um, and this just, what doesn't seem like it would be um, the course, you know, the type of course for him. But... Um, he does have three straight made cuts. So what what is it with this show? The whole everyone that watches the show is a Doug Gim truther. I don't understand. I'm not sure. Is if, it just turned if, into a bit? I, I yeah. See, I think I, I I don't know. I think they might be mocking me <laughs> because I used to play him every week. I've moved on from Doug Gim though. Unfortunately, he just I don't think he's ever going to get there with the putter. And the time I finally give up on him with the putter is probably when he'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, he hasn't done much of note really for a while so it hasn't burned me yet but i haven't played him in probably a good two months yeah just save him for the players if he if he gets in this year <laughs> i don't he know if in. he uh will be able to get in uh one other guy kevin Yu, he's uh one of the top guys in show skating t to green right now on the pj tour he's gained over four in each of his last three events so uh he's a guy that i like quite a bit too all right, uh, let's see. We get down, not much else above 7K, really not much below 7K either. Um, I see that Hondizel has Brian Gay, past champion, tagged. Um, that's interesting. He's finished first, third, and 12th here. Uh, the form is pretty rough. Noto's uh, model hates Brian Gay. 
but we've got 6% ownership on him, so the course history truthers are uniting behind Brian Gay this week. I mean, I'm surprised he's 108th in the model this week. That seems pretty high to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you didn't know half the guys in the 6Ks, so the, the 20 that are below him are the uh, yeah, the 20 unknowns. Yeah, the guys I, mean, I don't have any data for, probably. It's just Bru- Grayson Murray's in the field. How about that? Uh, yeah, I don't know what to do down here, really. I mean, Brian Gay, he does hit fairways, so, and he does like the course. And he was in similar form each of the last three years entering this event. So it's not. You know, who I, you know who I always throw out in these events? Scott Brown. Scott uh, Brown has like won the Puerto Rico Open, it feels like, 60 times because he's always <laughs> in the mix there. These, uh, and I did not look at his. He got that handy. What's Scott Brown done here? I know he's probably played. He T39 last year. I was hoping you were going for a different Scott. Oh, let's see. I got. Oh, Scotty G. He's in the field. <laughs> Our good buddy. Um, boy, the bottom part of this field stinks. Uh, Chad Ramey at 6,900. He's probably the most known name there at uh, outside of Brian Gay, and I think he's fine. But Scott Brown, I don't mind. Uh, one of the masters of the weak fields. But, like, under 6,500, there is literally nothing. A lot of red on our uh, cut probabilities and ratings in our lineup HQ tool. So uh, just a... Like, in theory, you should see a higher 6-6 percentage this week because it's only 132 golfers and the bottom of the field is so weak. Uh, but there's also a lot of unpredictability here uh, with the with the nature of the tournament and the weak field. So anybody else you want to pass along here? Not really, but I did want to know, all three winners here have been at least 80-1 to 1 or greater. So, I mean... I don't hate taking a shot on some of these guys. If you do find somebody that you feel okay about, um, just there's long just a shot. lot of guys in that seven K range. I think that's where yeah. I'd live. Yeah, I agree. With, with mix and match my values. Um, well, I think I set the over under for the time of the show at 33 minutes and 33 seconds, and we've somehow gone over that. Uh, I suppose that's because I ranted about the TV coverage for about four minutes, and so that helped contribute. Uh, so I'm proud. Uh, to you know to to cash the over ticket on that but uh let's see and i'm gonna pull it up here i i know i remember seeing that uh um espn plus wasn't back this week so i think this week is once again only the three hours uh bermuda championship yes three and a half hours on golf channel uh or three hours on golf channel every day once again this week and that is it for your coverage of the Bermuda Championship. But see, this week I can kind of excuse it because this isn't an event with a lot of big names. Like, last week was the one that just really uh, found bizarre. Um, and so, yeah, then the next week is the same for Mayakoba, uh, which is another tournament where you're probably not going to have shot-by-shot data and you're only going to have three hours of TV coverage a day. And then the full, the more enhanced premium coverage is back for the final two events of the, the fall swing. So uh, that's what's left after this week. Mayakoba and the Houston Open and the RSM Classic. Um, all of those should have, you know, stronger fields than, than what we have this week, um, which isn't a very high bar to clear. But uh, those are the three events that we have in the month of November uh before we take the winter break so anything else for this week 
for the good of the people? Do we got any questions? Let's take a look there. I don't think we did. I don't think we have any questions. Uh, hopefully the PJ Tour will uh, drive their trucks down to Mexico. Uh, we get some shot tracker next week. See, I they can't did. remember if we did. I'm going to look at the WGC. They did, but and not I, for yeah, this I event. Can't, I couldn't remember uh, if they did for Mayakoba, but they keep the good news is that they generally keep the uh, the leaderboards on the PGA Tour site so we can try to. We could talk about Live uh, Miami, their finale. Well, this is the. They're done. This is it for the year already? It's like some kind of match play. Stroke play, the teams competing against each other. It, it actually sounds kind of cool, but I don't really understand the rules. I didn't. Look you need a flow chart to follow it. Um, bad news for you, Noto. Last year at Mayakoba, it was uh, shot two from the fairway, shot yeah. three from the green. So but they have time. They, you know, that they, they have an extra week to drive down there. They can do it. <laughs> we'll see. Probably they not. They drove though. to Mexico City for the WGC Mexico. Yeah. I, I, Again, I've already ranted enough. Oh, there's I can't. a good question for you. What's that? Uh, comp courses for the week. Harbortown. Harbortown without all the trees. I think Harbortown's good. I think uh, El Camillon, which we're going to see next week, is pretty good. I think any of these coastal courses uh, are, are pretty good. Maybe the Corrales and uh, you know those type of courses that have similar grass right by the water. And uh, Harbortown as well, I think, is good. All right, uh, with that shot four, Greg says shot four from the native area. That's what you don't want to see. Um, <laughs> Do you remember the, last year? Some guy was like 300 par, and then an hour later they changed the score. Oh, man. Like six what over. tournament was that at? Was that Mayakoba? Oh, it was this, this one. one. That's right. That uh, was like several guys <laughs> the score changed. It, no bueno uh, with the with the no shot tracker, the no T. You got no shot tracker. You got no TV. <laughs> You got nothing. And it's 2022, folks. Uh, you got to get with the times, PGA Tour. Come on. Uh, we will. We will support uh, enhancements in technology and improvements to try to keep your fans. Like, you got to understand what your fan base is gravitating towards. It's not, you know, everybody going out uh, and sitting in the lawn chair watching, you know, watching uh, on the course. You got to have the media coverage as well. Uh, and to help, you know, drive that engagement and uh, and keep everybody away from the, the live tour. But all right, enough ranting for this week, uh, even though this field is not very good and this tournament isn't very exciting. And I would probably encourage you to be a little bit uh, cautious with your bankroll this week, given the nature of the tournament and the weather. You know, who knows if they're even going to get a full tournament in. Hopefully they do. Uh, and hopefully somebody can take down some big money, whether it's the players or the U.S. Open or the Bermuda Championship. If you win a bunch of money, you don't care what event you won it in. So for Noto, I'm Justin. Thanks to Devin for producing behind the scenes and listening to uh, to my rants tonight as well. And we thank all of you for joining and watching. And be sure to hit that like button on your way out. Subscribe to the channel. If you like what we have to offer over at Roto Grinders, you can get a notification whenever we go live. We don't just do golf. We do NBA. We do NFL. We do college sports. College hoops is getting ready to start up again. NBA is already in full swing. NHL is in full swing. Busy time of the year on the sports calendar. So, as always, thanks for joining us. We'll be back here next week, everybody. We'll take care and see you later. Thank <laughs> you.